This is episode 12 of the No Limits podcast. Welcome back. This podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl, makers of the best, most thought-out waterfowl gear, blinds, bags, decoys, and accessories on the planet. Go to tanglefree.com, enter the promo code PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, at checkout and receive, receive, you'll receive, receive free shipping on everything you order. Great friends and partners at Tangle Free. Check them out. Let them know you appreciate the support they give us by using the promo code PASSION at checkout. They'll give you free shipping when you do. My guest today is a very good friend. Robbie Kroger. Robbie is a biologist and conservationist who moved to the U.S. from South Africa. He discovered in his 40s his family's rich South African hunting heritage in a letter written to him by his grandfather, which sparked not only an internal interest in hunting within Robbie, but also a desire to tell the unique stories that weave themselves in and out of each and every hunter. His Blood Origins Project is a fantastic video series designed to edify the hunting community as well as evangelize the non-hunting communities by focusing on the biggest and most important question both groups face, and that is why. Why do you do it? What is it that drives us to hunt? What primal or spiritual void does it fill? It's really a deep and important question, and one that if not asked and answered by the hunting community can and will be misrepresented by organizations whose goal it is, is to end hunting. These are amazing stories told by folks from all walks of life, some some you know, like Jim Shockey and Will Primos and Cuz Strickland, and some you might not recognize at all, like me, um, my episodes on there. So today we talk about how that question, the why, is not being adequately asked or answered within social media and network television. There's a few pages and programs that do a remarkable job of laying out the real purpose. There are a few filmmakers that we truly respect, guys like Donnie Vincent, who focus on the experience and adventure and ultimately ultimately celebrate the life of the animal rather than the death of the animal and also the reconnection with the planet that we all share. There's a few, but not nearly enough. And I think that the Blood Origins series does a fantastic job of stepping into that void and providing valuable insight to the non-hunting community so that we can have serious discussions. Uh, we, We had an amazing discussion in Robbie's Man Cave. And we think that you really enjoy it. So here is hunter, conservationist, and Blood Origins producer, and my friend, Mr. Robbie Kroger. All right, all right. right, right. Let's do it. We figure the schedules out, we lock it down, and it's going to be epic. Well, thanks for having me in the man cave. Man, I know this is this is the war room right here. This yeah, is, I love it. There's, I wish you, I wish everybody listening could see this. Like, there's, there's the, what did I walk by in the hall when man, I came in? Argentinian water buffalo. Yeah, that that'll kill you. Um, that thing hanging on. What, what is that? A leopard? That is a leopard. It's got rosettes. It's not a cheetah. A cheetah has spots. So you'll leave here today a little wiser on African wildlife. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was a 18th birthday present to me from my grandfather. 
So that'll kill you. Um, that snake will that shit, thing, kill that you. That snake skin that's, what is that, 12? No, it's probably 20, 21 foot. Oh, wait, now I see the rest of it. <laughs> that'll definitely kill you. So we're sitting in a room full of stuff that'll kill you. I'm with Robbie Kroger with uh, with Blood Origins. We met, how, when, how long ago did we do my? February last year. After duck season. Was it last year? Mm-hmm. God, it seems like a long time. 2018, yeah. Yeah. It seems like a long time, man. Yeah. So people that are listening know that uh, we're in Mississippi, but they can tell that you weren't born in Mississippi. I was I born in lower Louisiana. Yeah, from where you from, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. South Africa originally. Um, actually born in Brazil, but moved to South Africa when I was like three. So I'm technically yeah. South African. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I moved to Mississippi in 2003 to pursue a PhD in biology and uh, decided never to leave. And so here I am in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi now. Started in Oxford. That's where I did my PhD. Was a professor at Mississippi State for six years and then moved as far south as you can move in Mississippi. PhD in? In biology, restoration, ecology, you name it, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Wildlife management, habitat management. My current day job is I'm the chief scientist of a small consulting company that deals with oil spill restoration work. So mm. oysters, artificial reefs, marine mammal sea turtles, building marsh, building islands. Yeah. Something we need sorely. Mm-hmm. It's good Here. stuff. It's what's, really what's good the, stuff. What's the stat? The average stat, you know, it's thrown around a lot, but coastal erosion in Louisiana, they sell like a football field or something every twenty-four hours or yeah. something like that. That's a pretty good stat. I mean, you know, some some days are better than others. I mean, you get storms through there that you'll lose a lot more than that. In years that the weather's kind of quiet, you don't lose quite as much. Yep. But what are you seeing from the from the oil spill? What so, was the what was the what was the real? Because you can't. You, it depends on who you listen to. Sure, like, sure. We won't see like the the marshes in Louisiana got Louisiana got hammered. Yeah. Um, we won't realize the true effects on the big pelagics mm-hmm. for probably another fifteen years. Like the big bluefin tuna, right? Whale sharks, big whales. You just don't know because their life cycles are so long, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I think uh, we saw a little bit of a, a decline in blue crabs, but now blue crabs are, are back all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Um, but the marshes got the marshes got tanked, and then doesn't help with subsidence and all the things that we know are happening in Louisiana right now. But but with the money, with the with the money, which is very large in terms of its sum, comes big ideas and comes big opportunities. Right. And the state of Louisiana specifically is um, is capitalizing on that. You know, the idea of river diversions, it's, it's a crazy idea. But if it works, you're essentially, you know, being playing Mother Nature again right. by redistributing that sediment load back into the floodplain that it should be and re-nourishing those, those marshes and building and them back. And it works. Uh, I mean... It, it definitely, like when I go to, to Point Lahash, for example, mm-hmm. you know, there's that Mardi Gras cut that comes in from the river, mm-hmm. like below Point Lahash. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a natural cut, I think, even before Katrina, but that really just opened it up and they just never did anything with it. And now water just pours in and 
it is filling in. It's good. I mean, like, it, and, it, and that's my point. It's good. Um, but you have areas like the Carnarvon Diversion in South Louisiana where it's like a pinhole in the levee where they let some water through mm-hmm. and then some, mm-hmm. and everybody complains because the fresh water pushes the salt water out and then, you know, and then they got to go further out to get their oysters and everything else. But then they bitch and complain because we're losing more. Well, which one do you want? And if you're going to get serious about it, you need to just let the ri- just let the river go. Yeah, and yeah. it'll do what it's supposed to. do. It'll do what God put it there to do. Right. Um, but I just don't think a lot of people have the appetite to really just turn it loose and and let it go. No, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of factors to weigh in. Livelihoods, right. Right. economies, right. Specifically, oil and gas economies. There's, and there's a lot, and, and though just those three little elements, there's yeah. so much politics at play oh, that man. to just let something like that go, right? You know, diversions are is the next best thing that that can happen, and so you know, I hope it works. It, it's it's an opportunity to to see if we can engineer something that massive. I, I can tell you that, like, just in. Um lower Delacroix, like where we hunted a lot, you know, when I started hunting as a kid or, you know, earlier in life, there's, there's nowhere, there's nowhere near the ducks that we used to, mm-hmm. that we used to get. They're just, they just aren't there. It's because the vegetation in there completely changed the ecosystem, right? It's not the ducks unlimited syndrome. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to say, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm just no. saying that the, um, you've heard that hypothesis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that doesn't answer why there's so many ducks at the mouth of the river. No. It doesn't answer how many, why there's so many ducks in Wax or in the southwestern part of the state. Um, you know, if the ducks unlimited hypothesis or theory were true, there wouldn't be any ducks anywhere. Correct. Um, I do think there's And I say that correct because yes. I think that it's, again, politics. Yeah. Uh, driving well, that theory. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the other thing is um, what I do think is is maybe altering the flyway some is we have so many refuges now where we can't hunt. I mean, you look at some place like Bayou Sauvage where they just started opening hunting again. Um, I'd, I'd be frustrated on a hunt from Delacroix drive by Bayou Sauvage and there they are. I mean, if, if I'm a duck, I, the first time I go there and I don't hear shotguns under me, I'm going back there the next year and I'm bringing everybody with me. So, <laughs> You know, I just, uh, but back to the, the coastal problem that we have. Um, no, that's that's the thing about the marsh where I was used to killing birds is the ecosystem has changed. I mean, we used to have a lot of coontail, a lot of widgeon grass, a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of wild millet, brackish water type aquatic vegetation that we just don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's vegetation there, but it's not anything, it's not anything that ducks Well, everything's anymore. changing. The salinity regime's changing. The Biloxi marsh is breaking up. Yeah. You know, all those things, everything has an effect, right? Right. And then you think about, you know, people hyper-focus in on sea level rise and subsidence where you, wherein you've got this little scale insect that's destroying all the rosier cane. Uh-huh. That's probably the most massive problem we have right. versus <laughs> subsidence. So right. it's just a multitude of factors that are just... All in this sort of complicated it's food so delicate, web. man. Of course, yeah. It's delicate, man. I you mean, you change one, one little thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, 
50 years ago, yeah, the oil companies, let's cut straight, straight canals to our wells down in the Gulf to where we don't have to follow these narrow winding bayous, not thinking that that's a highway for saltwater intrusion now. Mm-hmm. It's a, I mean, it's just one small thing just throws everything off. It's life. It's almost it like a cinema of life. It is. Yep. It is. So you move here to Mississippi. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, and the way that we really met, it's funny, uh, because you called me. Uh, well, before we get in there, talk about um, talk about your Blood Origins project mm-hmm. and kind of what, where did that start? Because I, th- I don't think you can talk about that without going into the story of your grandfather and sure. the history and the heritage. Sure, sure. You know, my... Um I was fortunate when I came to this country to experience what this country had to offer, which was hunting, which was freedom, which was the outdoors. It was everything that I had read in the stories of my grandfather and father in Africa, in Mozambique, but I was sitting in Mississippi now. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I grew up, as I said, with the stories. I grew up in Johannesburg, eight and a half million people, so... No hunting, no public lands, and you know, very difficult to own a gun, um, and that—that's not a caricature of South Africa as a whole. If you were living in the rural country of South Africa, then hunting abounds. You know, there's animals and, and wildlife for for people to hunt, but in the city, just like somebody in New York or LA, mm-hmm. it's just something you don't ever think about. Even though I came from a family steeped in hunting heritage, it right. wasn't talked about. We didn't sit around a campfire, even if we went into the bush, and were game viewing or things that you love to do in South Africa, those things never came up. And it, and it befuddled, it really, like, now in this project that I'm in, I can't believe that my dad didn't tell us about buffalo charges and, um, you know, him and his father, my grandfather, going into bush camp for, you know, three months at a time and, not three months at a time, three weeks or four weeks at a time and, just loving life and, and yeah. seeing all these cool things. Yeah. We never got that. You know, right. even my grandfather didn't do it. Um, so as, as you see, I've got the trophies on the wall and I had the stories on paper and that was it. And so when I came to this country, I all, all of a sudden experienced what this thing was that was hunting. Yeah. And in a very short time frame, I evolved like a typical American hunter would evolve, you know, from the when it, if it's brown, it's down. Let's kill as much as we possibly can. Whack and stack. Right. That was me, but I did it over like a three-year period because I was a 30-year-old right. right. man or 32-year-old man. And then all of a sudden, I had kids. Call it drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. And so now, and plus I had this, the other thing that sort of almost like wrapped around it was I had a PhD in biology and was in a wildlife management, wildlife fisheries department, understanding wildlife management. So... You know, I only harvested my first buck after nine years of hunting. Mm-hmm. And it was because I knew what I was after versus... But I was a 12-year-old hunter inside of a 40-year-old man's body. And so it was like... It's I like knew, Tom Hanks and Big, huh? Yeah, so I saw... <laughs> you know, like your first deer, if you're t- like my boys, hopefully my, their first deer is going to be anything, right? A spike is going to be celebrated. Whilst me going out, I saw a spike. I was like, I can't kill yeah. that animal, even though I wanted to. Because I was so, I'd never killed a buck. Yeah, yeah. It was like I knew what I was after, and so I, I had this maturation process associated with being a hunter. And then, you know, it's interesting. The whole idea of blood origins came about from 
just a couple of things that sort of just collided in this perfect storm. One, I was just, I was getting, I wasn't enamored with what I was seeing on television, right? I was this, this, it was just, it was yeah. rubbish, right? Yeah. It was just, it was really just. You can call it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And it was, it was almost like there was no quality control anymore. There was very, there was bright stars in this, this almost darkness that was our representation of who we were. I then had these two boys that I was now, as my, as I was learning to become a hunter, understanding my why, I was having to communicate to them what the why was, right? And I was mm-hmm. thinking through, okay, how am I going to kill an animal? Which is an emotional endeavor to all of us. It's not something to laugh about. It's not something to, you know, we don't enjoy it. That makes, you know, if you've got non-hunters mm-hmm. listening, we don't enjoy that part of it. So how am I going to translate that to my boys that have never, they don't even understand what this thing is, mm-hmm. right? Is it going to be visceral? Yes. Is it going to be violent? Maybe. If it's go- is it going to be bloody? Yes. So how do I translate that to two innocent young minds to understand exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing? Then I had this idea that was of what, what I only had as, I, as growing up as in South Africa, which was the stories. Hmm. And so I, I looked at television and I looked at what we were seeing on Instagram and social media and whatnot. And I said, well, nobody's telling stories anymore. Right. And so the, the storytelling aspect of things really drove us to form blood origins. And so... And that, that's a good point. So people that may listen that... It's the whole point of this podcast is to expose people to ideas that they may not come across on their own. Um, hopefully, we'll get some guys that are like into fitness and they want right. to hear, you know, they say, oh man, these guys with, with mountain, that might, might not be good. Well, yeah, it's probably a good example. So um, that, that was a great podcast that I heard with the guys on about uh, Mountain Tough. And so I wonder what else this uh, No Limits podcast is about. Yep. And so they'll hear something on you know, us talking about photography and waterfowl Mm -hmm. and something will spark an interest. And they go, wow, I didn't know it was like that. Mm -hmm. Or I didn't, I thought it was this because this is what I see on TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, it's something different. So to your point, to your point, right? That is, you, you, we have a responsibility as a group of people that take the, like we take the life of animals Mm -hmm. to show that we celebrate the accomplishment and the sacrifice of that animal, not the act of ending that animal's life. Right. And I think those are two very, very, very different things. I mean, if we're honest, all right, you can talk to people who are, um, who are non hunters that don't agree. You don't think that you should kill animals, but they're going to eat a steak or they're going to sit down and eat, um, well, you know, that didn't grow on a tree. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you trace your lineage back far enough, there was somebody that had to hunt to kill to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if, if there weren't, you wouldn't be here. Sure. And so we have, it, I, what I have applauded about Blood Origins is the story. Sure. It's the same reason that we started doing what we did 
with passion and pursuit. I felt the same thing when I looked at outdoor television that you did. Mm-hmm. Could have gone on outdoor television, but number one, the swim lanes and the, the things that kill creativity about it. it's got to be so many seconds of this and so many seconds of that and so many seconds of this and then kill, 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 and then interview and then sponsor and then this. Mm-hmm. There's no story in that and and it's very, very predictable. I can tell you in a 30-minute segment on TV how much of each thing that you're, with a certain degree of accuracy, what you're going to see and when. And where is the intrigue, where is the differentiators between this 30 minutes of mind-numbing content and the rest of the 30 hours of mind-numbing content that are coming up next? Mm-hmm. There's no story. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, so that that's it's exactly why we built it. It's storytelling. It's... It's the why, really. It's it drives to that, and then you know everyone is unique. You know your story was super unique to you, right? It was um, passionate and clearly <laughs> tied to passionate pursuit. Yeah. Um, but others, and so people, and that's I think what 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 we're slowly realizing in Blood Origins is that when somebody builds a somebody builds a TV show or a show. And I'll use passion of pursuit as, as an example. Mm-hmm. It's it's very you're focused on duck hunting, which is exactly the base the basis and foundation for what that 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 series is. Right. And so that's the audience that you capture and you build that audience out, and that audience loves duck hunting, and so you build it around that. Ours, we would would we don't have that as a base, and so we have people who will have like. The duck hunting fraternity that loves Joey Gauthier, mm-hmm. right? And we love that. But then when we, the next one that pops in, the next story that pops in, which is exactly why I did it, is a Vietnamese Korean girl out of Michigan. And the whole duck which hunting was one crew, of my favorite ones, by the way, dude. No, no, absolutely. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But the whole duck hunting crowd looks at that and goes, ah, we're not interested in that one, which is fine because I just tapped in a whole other crowd. And so my audience is constantly. Shifting yeah. and evolving, right. and it's never the same audience loving the same stuff because you bring in people to an episode and you lose people to the episode. And I've heard people say, "Oh man, the Blood Origins guys, you know, they're doing some great stuff." And man, I, you know, I didn't. They they had a couple of missteps, and I'm like, when I hear that, what I'm hearing is, you watched a couple of episodes that didn't hit. It didn't strike the chord of who you see yourself right. as a hunter, right. which is completely fine. Because that chord was struck with a hundred other people that needed that chord struck. Right. So I'm, we're trying to ping different chords constantly, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, white males, it's minorities, it's international hunters, it's females. And, and I've been struggling, but I'm getting up to speed now. Right. To find the strong females. Hmm. I can find a I can find a white male story every day. Yeah. Every day. But it's getting You had three of them in this last one, man. You nailed it. Yeah, no, we had some good ones, but I'm telling you now we have got much you talking about Uncharted or yes. you talk, Oh yeah. Yes. No. So Uncharted was we put so Uncharted Waters was that was my entryway to say, look here guys. There are strong female hunters out there. They're not the huntresses 
that you see on Instagram. They're not the ones that show their boobs everywhere. These are the ones that, like, I'm afraid to call. I'm afraid to blow my duck call in front of these girls. Because I'll look like an idiot. So you call like a girl? Yeah, I do. I do. Like, this is what's funny, right? Like, one of the girls... Um, so Kim was... There were three girls. Kim, Kara, and Ashton. Ashton and, and, and Kara are amazing duck callers. And Kim's a good duck caller, too. But I... And she was afraid. She said to me, she was like, man, I don't know. You know, I feel a little weird going to that scenario because I'm not going to call. And I said, well, Kim, that's like me. I'm going to go duck hunting with your husband, BC, and, and Kara's husband, Grant, and TJ. I'm going to be the one standing in the corner not calling. Right. Because that's just, there's always, there's always that person in the duck hunting group that is a weaker caller, yeah. that is less confident, that knows... You blow that call and it sounds a little, uh. And sometimes that's me, dude. You're going to get that sometimes, look. Yeah. You're going to get that look from somebody going. No, sometimes that's me that's the weaker. <laughs> like, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm in the woods with, with someone like Josh Raggio or one of those guys who yeah. just speaks the, I mean, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. I'm like, I put mine. I don't. You know, but I talked to, I've got, B, we're got we got BC that's going to do an episode. Oh, good, good, good. You need to ask yeah. him about, this is what I need you to ask BC and you better hey. keep this on here. Yeah, I'm not taking anything. You need to keep, so BC was very good. And this is sometimes what happens with Blood Origins is that we have these ideas and, I'll, and, and Joanna was the perfect example of this, right? We had this idea for Uncharted Waters. I spoke with Kara. I spoke with Kim. I spoke with Ashton. I laid it all out. Mm-hmm. Wherein the husbands, who are the protectors, right. who are the ones that are going to say, they, I want to make sure that everything's right. Right. You know, I got frequent calls from BC saying, okay, look, man, I just want to make sure that, you know, you, you're going to do this right. And I said, yeah. and I talked it through with him and everything. Yeah, and we sure. talked it through with TJ. Right. And I said, you know me. We've worked together already. Trust me. Trust me. And the girls too. I said, look, guys, I know that you guys are, you're taking a leap of faith with me. On this idea of what we want to put together. I said, but just trust me. Same with Joanna Dart. Joanna, Joanna, I had two phone calls with. Never met her face to face. Flew into Detroit. Drove over to her mother's house. She was there. Three guys. Joanna walk into the woods and film her episode. She admitted afterwards. She was like her friends when she explained to what to them what she was about to do. Right. So, Joanna, do you even know these guys? Oh, I know. Are you crazy? You're going where? With three guys? Three strangers? I ain't going to do what? roof for you, dude. Yeah, and you're gonna, they're going to film you? Yeah. But, you know, it's... I think sounds it, sketchy. It sounds very sketchy. But so far, so good. Um, but no, it, Uncharted Waters... I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to make sure to. I ask you. You need to. Uncharted Waters was our showcase of strong female hunters. Yeah. And so... We've got a number of strong female hunters in season three. And between now and June, I'm filming at least seven or eight strong females. Yeah. And yeah. so I really want to have a big push to say, look, this is this is our community. Oh, you did, dude, you did it right. I mean, totally. Appreciate it. Totally right. Um, talk about the letter. Okay. You remember the letter you showed me when we first met? Oh, yeah. Um. Was it from... It was from your grandfather, right? 
Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, so the letter was written to me when I was 16 years old. Uh, typewritten paper, as you see. Um, you know, rice paper. And, uh, you know, he had to use pen to make fix his edits. Yeah. And in the first two lines, yeah, I was 16 at the time, and I obviously expressed interest in hunting. And he said that... Um, you know, hunting, I'm glad that you came about hunting by yourself because it must be, quote unquote, in the blood. Right. And that's what it is. It's it's in our blood. It's, you know, some people have it in the blood stronger than others. And that's okay, too. Um, and I think that's one of the things, the aspects that, you know, we started Blood Origins a certain way, just like Passion of Pursuit. It's morphing as we grow. And it's going to continue to morph. And one of the things that has it's morphed into, which I really love, is the idea, the purpose of the project is to reach across the aisle to that non-hunting American right. to say, right. this is who we are. It's morphing. And, and the idea is to reach across the aisle to that non-hunting mainstream American to say, this is who we are. And it's almost a little self-serving to hear it from you and to hear it from me. Mm-hmm. So why not get a non-hunter to tell everyone why what their perspective of hunting is and so we did my wife we did louise shockey jim shockey's wife yeah um we've got two more this season and we're going to do a lot more of those and i'm trying to find right now so anyone who's listening can hit me up i'm looking for males i can find females all day long that are Mm non-hunters but males that are non-hunters yeah is a trick because all the males are hunters Right. right. So, um, we're, that's something we're definitely morphing into. It's cool, though, when it, you, when it kind of takes on a life of its own. Because like what you had just said, we go into this, we go into these episodes with these people where we have these, all right, so this is the story we're going to tell. And it happened to us. Mm-hmm. It, it happened to us really early where we thought, okay, we're going to go there and film this, and this is how it's going to look like, and we're going to do this. And God and his sovereignty just goes... No, wait a minute. I've got a different idea. And it morphs right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it happens enough to where, at least we do, we start taking further, we we start taking steps further and further back to where we'll set the scene and we'll get the cast of players involved and just let it rip. Mm -hmm. Um, And with, with Blood Origins, I mean, the people that you meet, they kind of understand why you're there. And you've got a general idea of kind of like the story that they're going to tell. Um, but it's cool, isn't it? When it just starts, it just takes on a life of its own. Um, and that's where you feel, okay, this direction that we're going in, it's not contrived. It's not, exactly. um, it, it's, it, it is, it's true and it's real. Exactly. Um, that's Authent- just authenticity. That's the key. That's you what lose, took. That's what took me a minute and a half to say authenticity. Yeah, we lose the authenticity of the project. I think we pack our bags and go home. Well, because the authenticity is why we're doing it in the first place. I mean, we can put out a lot of contrived, staged content that, if we try really hard, I mean, you've got a super awesome camera guy. Mm-hmm. I've got a super awesome camera guy, and we can make things appear um, to be what they aren't, which mm-hmm. is typically what outdoor television has become, which Mm -hmm. is what we started talking about. Mm -hmm. Or we can just show the very real side of, man, I like, uh, I love hunting waterfowl. 
but there's a part of me, like when I go out to pick up a cripple, that I'm really kind of sorry that I did that. Uh, not not sorry, but I, I regret the pain and the fear that that animal's obviously going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm not a you know everybody likes to paint up and, and look like a killer, and we're we're you know team kill them all or but that's that's not me, bro. And I mean, and there's a part of me like when I walk up on. Um, a deer that it, it it wasn't a very good it wasn't a good clean shot that that ended it immediately right um man there's a part of me that really really hates that yeah look and and you know i think every i think i would say that every hunter you know some some hunters would say no i, I don't feel that but i think if they if they really were in touch with who they were Right, and they were a little honest with themselves. Then they would say, "Yeah, it's sad, right? You, you've got that. Even if it may be for that split second, right? Yeah, everyone is going to be sad for taking that life. Um, you're also sad because it's not just taking the life; it means that your hunt's over, mm-hmm. and that's also sad. And that's okay. That's also a good part of being, you know, being sad is that the adventure's over. You know the Everything that you built up to, you know, not duck hunting specifically, but, you know, you've been working towards the sheep hunt for two years. You've been saving money for two years. You've been working out like crazy for two years. All the money, all the expenses and whatnot. And then you get to camp and... And the anticipation. And then it's this big, like what you're saying, it's just a release of now what? Yeah, exactly. Now what? And then it gets finished and you're like, phew. And then all of that buildup, all of that emotion, all of that stuff, right, just has come to a head. That that is the that's the part of the the hunting community that I don't like. The part that I just described of where they sell. Let's celebrate the the kill. Uh, mm. But you're not celebrating. See, the thing is, you're not celebrating the kill, which is what's the misunderstanding out there, right? Yes. The misunderstanding of a smiling face over an animal. The misunderstanding of pumping, fist pumping the air when you drop that animal in its tracks. It's not a fist pumping to say, yes, I killed the... Don't hear me right. It's not a fist bump. Subconsciously, it's not a fist bump that is I just killed something and I'm happy that I killed it. Subconsciously, it is a a culmination of effort to put yourself in that position right. to, to take that life. But at the same time, it's this like, hey, it was a series of hurdles, a series of uh, personal accomplishments. It was a series of challenges, a series of pushing yourself to that point where you didn't think you could ever do it. And that trigger pull, that arrow being released, and that animal, you know, is life ending as quickly as it possibly can, because they wouldn't be cheering if the animal ran away, right? They'd be cheering when it drops. Right. That's what they're cheering about. They're cheering about the che- everything that has come to that head. It's not cheering the death of that animal. Yeah. And so we just talked about tracing back roots to our hunting heritage where you know at one point 
when we did have to hunt for sustenance, right, mm-hmm. to live. If you didn't kill, you didn't live. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point where that was a reality. But there's still points in yes. this world that that's a reality. Yes. And so my point is, they cheer for the right reasons because they know and they celebrate not the death of the animal, but the life of the animal. That's correct. And they cheer probably internally and show external celebration in that the the, the sacrifice of that animal means the the life of the tribe mm-hmm. or the life of the family. Mm-hmm. And I, if, if we go back to, um, I'm a huge Wild at Heart fan. I know you read Wild at Heart with John Eldridge. Mm-hmm. And the... The heart that we were put that was put into us by a creator that loved those things. Um, I think when I celebrate a good hunt, number one, which you don't see is the hundreds that sucked. Because when you think you had everything figured out, right? You know, we've got the bedding area, we've got the feeding area, we got the trail, we got this, that, winds in our favor, wind, and it just doesn't work. And you do it again, you switch things up and the strategy and the thinking and the planning, and it doesn't work. And you drive thousands of miles to go to Canada because, you know, you want to finally get on a good snow goose hunt and it doesn't work. And you go here and it doesn't work. And you go here and the one time where it all falls into place is such a sense of an accomplishment, right? That that's why I celebrate it. Well, I will challenge you though, is that... In that that you just described is the problem with the perception around hunting, which is the celebration is the only thing that you show. The hundreds of the hundreds of times that you failed, nobody wants to see that. Well, nobody if wants you want to, to show see, that, yeah, if you want to see failure, watch Passion of Pursuit because <laughs> there's lots of it. Well, that's the thing. I'm just I'm, I'm using you as an example, yeah, but yeah, a, a yeah. generality. I even said it to Alan Bolan. Alan is a ridiculous bow hunter. Right. He will find a mature animal on the mountain. He will he will hunt that animal for a month. That animal. That, that one, one animal. animal. Yes. And he says, 80% of the time I come home empty-handed. And I said, well, Alan, does your Instagram page show that? Yeah. And he said, no, it doesn't. And I said, well, that's not being truthful then. That's not being, that's not showing... What you're investing. That's not showing the time that it's taking. That's not showing the, the, the effort that you're putting into that animal. Right. And all the times that you fail, it's just showing the kill. You can watch any of our episodes and see <laughs> much, much <laughs> failure. But it, it doesn't... Um, and that's what we really determined early on. Even in failure, there's a story to tell. We've met so many just godly men of action and faith everywhere that we have gone, that the hunt was like so secondary and behind everything mm-hmm. that it's, you know, we had to make a determination. And there's a lot of shows that don't. There's a lot of content that doesn't. Like if if the, if the straps aren't full and the truck bed's not full and it was, it was a terrible hunt, man, your focus is like way, way off. Right. Way off. Right. Right. Well, I think that's the point of, I don't know if it's, it's subtle, but I got a lot of messages about it. So in uncharted waters, you never saw a duck die. Yep. And we purposely filmed it that way. I did notice that. You didn't see straps. You didn't see ducks lined up. And I'm going to put out a little piece uh, here in the next week or two. But 
you know, the question that I got asked a lot is, well, how many ducks did you kill? It was a rough season. Everyone knew it was a rough season. How many ducks did you guys kill? And my answer is, you'll never know. And it doesn't matter. Right. And by rough, we mean terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. So, it, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, and, that, and unfortunately, that's the mentality that the choir sings. But we didn't build Uncharted Waters for the choir. Yeah. You know, somebody asked me, I was on a different podcast, um, and somebody asked me, so if you had advice for somebody that was starting to hunt waterfowl, now you got a newbie in the blind with you, right? What would your advice be? And without even thinking, I said, you need to temper your, your expectations and redefine your expectations as to what qualifies as a successful hunt, because now more than ever. No doubt. If, if you are here just for the experience of pulling a trigger and if you measure success by how heavy is my strap that I'm putting, look, I've killed lots and lots of ducks. I can, I feel like I can look back and almost see just about every single one that I have killed. But the thing that sticks out in my mind, like if I think duck hunting, the very first thing that comes to my mind is the trip where I was saved. And I couldn't tell you if I pulled a trigger or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I even told you that when we were going back there. Like, I don't remember what we killed that morning. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, anybody that's getting into it now. So you've really got to temper and redefine what your expectations really are as mm-hmm. far as a successful hunter. Or not. And if you're looking for just feathers or horns or, or beards from a turkey or fans or what it, it you're – Right. You're going to be really disappointed. Right. You get to meet cool people like our Pakistani friend. Oh, man. <laughs> Gerard Masi. G-Mass. That, <laughs> t- that was so funny, man, because he, he hit me up on Instagram. and He's he's so California. Yeah. Like, But he's like, bro, so like, what would I have to do to hunt with you guys? And I'm like, uh, get on an airplane, I guess. I mean, what 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 do you? Where do you want to I'm go? I'm nobody. Yeah, he said. Well, what do you want to kill? And he said, we want to shoot big Canada geese. No, he said Canadian geese. I said, okay. First of all, Canadians are people. Canada's <laughs> are geese. All right. I'm gonna text him that afterwards. Yeah, Canadians are people. Canada's <laughs> are geese. So everybody, you know, it's not Canadian geese. It's Canada geese. So. Him and his brother. Did you meet Josh when you're out oh, there? Yeah. Oh, man. oh yeah. Did you see pictures of the Pakistani wedding? Uh, he sent me some. Yeah. Those dudes. There party. were two weddings. Yes. One in small town Iowa. Yes. They got raided by a bunch of Pakistanis. Yes. <laughs> Dude, they party like it was 1999. Dog. Oh man. But um, so we brought them to Kansas. Yep. With our our buddy Ronnie Condo in Kansas, who I think now I've mentioned on every single podcast. I might have to get him on. There we go. But um. I mean, they were just like far out, bro. I mean, this was just the, the but I, I, you know, had it not been for, well, I'd never met those. And they enriched my life and they were such a blessing to sure. us. Same here. Just, same here. Never would have met those dudes. No. But you've got, how many episodes now do you have? Done? Yeah, done. Like, if I wanted to go out and watch, uh, probably 20. Season one, season two, season three kicks off on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, the actual episodes um but yeah i think we had 11 or 12 pieces of content in season one and then we had eight or nine pieces of content in season mm-hmm. two um 
but we've got a bunch in the in the library. Without talking about what you haven't released, so let's just talk yeah. about what you have released yeah, so far, because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to kill the sure right. Sure. Was there? There's got to be that one episode where, like, if I said not favorite episode, but most impactful story. Not to sell anybody else short, but the one thing that was just like... Do I have to say Joey? No. no you don't. <laughs> It'd be cool if you didn't mention it, but no, I, it, that mine uh, aside, but it, yeah. was there one that was just like, man, I never saw this thing going in that direction? Yeah. Cuz Strickland. So, look, it, it's difficult. A lot of people have asked me, what's your favorite episode? And it's... It's so difficult because yours was incredible, right? You're sitting behind that camera. That's why I said not favorite. You're dropping what you dropped and we're sitting behind a camera going, what the heck's going on here, right? Yeah. We have um, Joanna that we didn't think we were getting anything out of and it turns out to be oh. gold, Yeah. right? Um, we have, you know, first generation Iranian-American Jamshid Adeland who going into it was extremely nervous. Who just We didn't know what we were going to get. And drops a mic bomb on us. Mm-hmm. One take. No cuts. We're like, what is going on here? But Cuz is special because my dad was here. My dad hadn't hunted in since the 60s in Africa. Oh, really? And so he came here and we had scheduled Cuz's episode. It was rifle season in Mississippi. We went and got my dad non-resident hunting license. And I said to Cuz, I said, hey, I want to bring my dad up. You mind? He said, no, and we're going to hunt. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yep, 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 no problems. And we're talking about, so that just back up real quick, Cuz Strickland of Mossy Oak fame. Yeah, yeah. And he so. was the third episode that we released in Blood Origins. So we went up there. He was extremely good to us, just all accommodating. And um, so it was special because my dad got to hunt. He killed a doe. Um it's amazing. I've just I actually just watched the footage again like four days ago. Yeah. Because I mean I've been pulling little pieces out of old episodes. And the guy we thought he had missed completely. The guy hasn't shot a rifle in fifty years. Right? He hot shot Chances the are hot shot it. Really? Went twenty yards. And we we're like, what just happened? That's great. So Cuz is you know, anyway. But his episode, Cuz and Cuz probably enjoyed that just as much. Oh, jeez, yeah. And he'll never forget it. Like, he keeps commenting. Whenever I post something like that, he's like, oh, yeah. You know, Peter Kroger. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But Cuz was, you know, he's... What we've, st- what we've found is the guys that have been on camera a lot, mm-hmm. they almost know what they want to say. And yeah. so what we pride ourselves in is peeling onion layers back mm-hmm. and getting down to the good gold that nobody else can get to. The way that I ask questions, the way that we poke there's a uniqueness to how we do things. Right. And so, cause we got him to a point and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't dive any deeper. And I knew it. And I had prepped for that moment. And I'd spoken to his daughter, Lauren. And she had given me a photograph that she believes that he never knew of. And it was a photograph of his dad, his brother and him when they were two and four on his dad. And so at the end of the episode, we had literally cut the entire episode or shot and I sat down next to him and I said, hey, I'm going to show you a series of photographs. And it was a series. So I was going to break him down one by one by one by one. Right. And I said, I just want you to look at this photograph and I want you to tell the camera what it, what's the photograph. 
Yeah. And in his mind, he was like prepared for, right? He yeah, was he was like, like no yeah, yeah, well, no problems. No, no problem, problems. No problems. And I threw this first photograph in front of him. And that's when you watch it. Go If anyone's watching, you go watch Cuz's episode. The first thing you see in his episode is that moment. Where I put that thing. Because you notice, if you notice all my other episodes, you never see me. You never hear me. Right. And that, and that you actually, if you watch Cuz, he's corded to me. I'm yeah. sitting next to him. He's corded to me. And you hear me say something. And... He literally looked at me and goes, where'd you get this photograph? I said, what? Tell me about it. And that just broke him. It broke him. And we needed that. We just needed him to just, and that just released everything. And then everything beyond that just was magic. Yeah. And it's funny, my dad. I remember that, man. That was, that was like strong, dude. It's strong. And my dad, on the way up there, he didn't quite understand the whole Blood Origins thing. He goes, why would somebody want to do this? Like, why is Cuz helping you? What's in it for him? Yeah. And once I finished the episode, I walked up to my dad and he goes, I know now. Yeah. I know why. And so it was just like this. It was, that's why it's the favorite because my dad was there. He understood. He went from not understanding to just watching that one piece of work to understanding Cuz, the whole kit and caboodle. Right. And so... Yeah, but as I said, I think every episode has its merits. You know, every episode has that moment where you're just like, whoa, what did they just say? You know, yeah. like Kim, BC's wife, you know, makeup doesn't make you a hunter. Camouflage doesn't make you a hunter. You make you a hunter. That's her line. You make you a hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the stuff you get from just sitting there. You know, it's just, that's the authenticity. That's the the yeah. connectedness that the project is after every single time it's so real and i tell you 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 if you if you see the industry like you and i see it the personalities in the industry that we see there's so many of them that are just so fake Mm -hmm. so and it's it's so good when you get to sit down with guys like jim shockey Mm -hmm. when you get to sit down with guys like you just said with cuz strickland someone who is near and dear to my heart will primos and but I would I would challenge you to say those are the three famous ones. The unknowns are better, right? Well, but I'm saying the three people that you you see maybe a lot right, on TV, right, 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 and you. But we meet so many people that are they're one way on TV, and then when you meet them, you're like, wow, I didn't know that guy was such a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. But but now I did. But the, like these, the people that I just mentioned in particular, yeah. are even better in person. Yeah. And when you see him on TV, and that's just yeah, that that's the part that I just yeah, I love. like when you told me you were doing wheels, I'm like, oh man, that's just so good. no, it was awesome. And Will's been really good to us, you know. And you're right, it's finding those right individuals that are that want to help, that want to connect, and right. just like you, you know, the way that the project works. A lot of people ask this question. They're like, well, how do you find the next story? Nowadays, I don't need to because right, we built the model. That is the Blood Origins family. So we did Joey Gaucher. Okay, Joey Gaucher. Who do we go after next? Oh, we need to go after Gerard Massey. Yeah. And it just... Gerard, who are we going after next? Jamshid Ardland. Okay. And it just becomes this connectedness of network. Yeah. Right? Will Primos to Jason Heston. Jason Heston to Chad Mendes. Jason Heston to Jeff Rowley. You know, it's just this... So who are the names coming up that we might know? <laughs> no, not releasing any names. I tried. 
Not releasing any names. I tried. You remember you you called me and were like, "Well, we want to we want to tell a waterfowl story." I'm, you know, we need we want someone who you go through like the the checklist. And I'm like, "Dude, I think you got the wrong number." <laughs> you remember? I'm like, what, "What do you want to do with me?" <laughs> we you know? stomped in back there. You know how many people told me stop dropping pins on duck hunting spots because we would label. It was just we'd label Yazoo Swamp or something, and it would come up with a random pin. And like, well, that's not where we were. Yeah, the guys that are trying to track that spot based on those pins, please do it. All right? Because there's no way they're finding where you and I went based oh, on man. some... No. No. Lighten up. Yeah. Whatever. But that's what we love about the project. You know, there's season three is going to be... You know, we're going to f- step further outside the box. We started... Um, so throughout season three, we're going to have weeks where you're not going to, it's not episodes, but it's content that comes out on our social media platforms yeah. tied to Africa. Oh, and so man. what this content is, is in the here and now. And so what you typically see of Africa when it comes to hunting and conservation is hunters that have been there, that have come back and they start posting pictures of them with the pH, them with the animals and whatnot. That's all you get typically. But we know right now, Today, as we are speaking, there's outfitters, there's trackers, there's anti-poaching people, there's communities, all benefiting from hunting. Mm-hmm. There's people in the field doing it. So I've got people in South Africa, I've got people in Tanzania, I've got people in Zambia that are sending me content. Hey, we ran across these poachers today, took pictures of it. Hey, we saved this animal, took a video of it. Um, and so we're taking all that content out, and we're pushing it out right then and there. So, hey, this anti-poaching effort happened yesterday. In South Africa, because Hunter Dollars paid for that poaching patrol. And so it's really in the now content, yeah. which is what we want to keep pushing and keep expanding on. That's such a crazy place, man. <laughs> that just... I mean, like, I had... Um, I did a, uh, a podcast with uh, Ryan Bodwan, who's the... Uh, Ryan the Buddha, he's another guy yeah, on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Did we just dropped his podcast a few days ago, and he was talking about he filmed um, he filmed a safari. I don't remember where he said he was, but he said it is because he was a combat marine vet, mm-hmm. lost several brothers. I've actually talked to Ryan on the phone. Fascinating, yeah, fascinating yeah. guy. Just had a baby boy yeah. last a week ago today, um, but he was talking about how that loss um, really affected his. Um, his relationship with with God and how that really just kind of made him question a lot of things. And it was on his trip to Africa when he would wake up and have his coffee before anybody else and you hear like lions, you know, waking up and bellowing from like miles and miles away and they feel like they're in camp with you. Mm-hmm. And you get away from the civilization that man built, our own little towers of Babel, right? Mm-hmm. And you get into what what I think when I think about hunting, but especially hunting there, as to what it was, what the world was like before the fall of man, original creation. Just like this is where I mean, like this is where it started. That yeah. just that reconnection of everything else is gone. The variables are gone. You're in a wild place where things like that will kill you. Um, 
And he said that's where he just he just reconnected with his creator in such a way. And you got to feel that when you're out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just such a crazy place, man. I've got a Blood Origins has got a film coming up. We haven't filmed it yet. That will take that and multiply it by 50. We're going to a place that probably a white man hasn't walked. Only Aboriginals. Yeah. And um, we just don't, we're going to just walk about for four days, just disappear. We're not coming back to camp. We're just going to go. And it's going to be full. It's in the, it's really in the most extreme outback of Australia. Yeah. And we're going to, um, we're going to hunt. And what we kill is what we eat as we walk. And the way God intended it, man. It's going to be as, as close to as what you just experienced, as you, what, what you just explained as possible. It's going to be raw. Back to what it should have been. Man. And we're going to film the entire thing. And it's going to be all about that awakening, that sensory, essentially, sensory overload. Yeah. Well, you, you talked about Gerard. We're planning one that I, I, I can tell you when we finish what it is but it's like it's dangerous oh yeah no, you, you know where he, you know where he's from yeah you told me okay he's told me he's told me a little bit about it yeah that's um, cool and i really what, what let me ask this what had in a little bit of time we have left, what has surprised you um about the project mm-hmm. either stories or the direction that it's gone or a particular reaction i mean if you think of something like what well, you know i never saw that coming mm-hmm. i think um, I'm surprised at the reaction, I guess. And just this is... How so? I guess I never really... And, and, and it came to fruition in this almost like this, the hunting show season. So last year, we were peddling our wares. This is who we are. Right, right. Pitch, 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 right. pitch, pitch, pitch. Oh, yeah. I know this all year, about that. <laughs> this year, it was like, all I had to do was just say Blood Origins. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know about your project. And just that every single time somebody said that, like even in Denmark, when we went to Denmark in January, there was a girl that we filmed whilst we were there. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, my, my, I was telling my boyfriend about you. And he said, oh, yeah, I knew, I know about that project in Denmark. And I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. And that's what surprised me. I'm just, you know, we're just, a small little nothing project that mm-hmm. you know is trying to trying to make some big ripples in a very large pond and we're just a small little pebble and yeah but that's been surprising i think the second thing is and maybe it's just you know god at work or god through me in terms of allowing me to be very honest on a phone call but being able to just reach out even through DM or through a, an email to somebody that knows me from, from doesn't know me from bar of soap, mm-hmm. right? I am a nobody to these people. And be able to then get on a phone call, talk them through what I want, what I'm looking for, and then agree and say, come on, come stay with us for two days. Yeah. Come be yep. with us, come become, and then I, after those two days, you're family. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's you know, that's, all divine intervention in terms of, you know, who and why. And that's, I guess that's why we got into it. And I don't know if, why I'm surprised by it, but mm-hmm. I, I am. 
every single time we meet somebody cool, it's just like, dang, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of that has been the richest blessing and reward too for what we're doing because I'll I'll reach out to somebody like you just said who doesn't know me from anyone mm-hmm. and talk about what we're doing five minutes into discussing the project like yeah man look we'll make we'll, we'll hunt it this time this is typically the the best if we go all the way up to canada even uh this is the best time to come and this you know just stay with us and we can tell the story and like man this is like uh, you don't know me from anybody mm-hmm. um, and there's so many more people that are i guess more famous that could just walk into some place and yeah, you know, yeah, no problem. Um, but that's, that's been the richest of blessings is the, the, just one more, one more spot that, yeah, that's, that's where, that's where my brother so-and-so lives uh-huh. and that's where this is where my brother and we, it's a brotherhood mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. and those relationships run so much deeper than hunting itself and the actual right. hunt. Well, it's just about being authentic. That's all. Yeah. Well, what have you gotten reaction from? So we set out to tell a story to the non-hunting community, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's really yep. that's really why you did it. Have I received any? Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 I got this, and, and we're which gonna, one sticks out? This one. I was about to say, okay. and we're going to actually go film her. Uh, she's actually a good friend in the in my other life in my conserva- in my consulting life right worked with her for a long time before even blood origins was even on the radar right um she started seeing some of the stuff come across facebook she's a non-hunter she's um she's almost like she's she's a uh, she's unusual she's you know got spiky blonde hair she's a crazy lady we get along like a house on fire right but you would look at her and you're like yeah definitely non-hunter right and uh she reached out to me and said, I had no idea. I had no idea that hunting had all of this tie-in to family and heritage and whatnots. And uh, so she started down that road. And then one day she called me. Oh, no, 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 no. So two things happened. One day she called me. And she was like, man, these people just started railing on hunting. And I had to explain to them what hunting was. And I was there like, Whoa. What? What did you just say? And she was like, yeah, I had to explain. And I talked about your project and whatnot and what it really means. I was like, well, hold on. Time out. Becky, keep that in your brain. We're coming up. We're going to film here. Right. <laughs> right. Don't and, lose that. And the second one, which is really recent news, the whole Keith Olbermann situation. Mm-hmm. She posted that on Facebook and went on a whole tirade. Not a tirade, but she right. was like, he has no idea what he's talking about. This is what I, you know, and it was a message Almost like a hunter would post. Yeah. And I knew it was because of what she had seen and heard through our project. Yeah. That's it. Game over. Time to go to the house. You know? Did our job. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're, that, that's exactly it. And I think it's... I've heard a couple of other people say it. and We're doing the right... We're doing exactly what we intended. I can... Uh... You know, one of the things that I've noticed is just talking about kind of, you know, people, person, how much Drew Seals has grown mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. just a, such a competent, not only videographer, but his eye of how he sees it before he films it. Absolutely. 
Well, Uncharted Waters is not Uncharted Waters without Drew Seals. So. Oh, man. Yeah. Did you tell you what happened in Canada? Oh, yeah. In the garage? Yeah. Well, it was amazing. <sighs> it's good stuff. I was just like, what? I mean, the dude is just there were tears pouring down. I was like, what? What? Did somebody offended him? I didn't know you could offend Drew. You know, what? And it's just like. Did you offend just, his skinny jeans? Like Brian's skinny jeans? Man, I hope not. Does he wearing skinny jeans now? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Dryden has worn off on <laughs> I call him my hippie redneck now. It's uh, it's Hickster. Hickster. Oh, okay. I need to tell him that. Hickster. Hickster. But um, much like the response that you got from your guy, like defending, nah, de- defending not the hunting community, but the heritage of why we really do it. That was, I think, probably the most rewarding. Brian and I talked about in the first episode, probably the most rewarding thing that has happened to us is seeing Drew make that 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 conscience that conscious decision to I will accept Christ as my savior mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. M- number one because he is but number two because he sees men that and, and like you said I'm nobody mm-hmm. I mean uh, really uh, I'm nobody mm-hmm. but it's how we conduct ourselves that he saw and that's the story you're telling. How we conduct ourselves as hunter, as hunters. There are people watching you all the time. All the time. You, the people that are listening to this. There are people that are looking at what you post. There are people that are looking at what you say, and you say, you see, they're just bloodthirsty. They like to go out and kill things. And I have even joked and said, there is nothing that I like more than taking a green-headed mallard's head off at about five yards. I say that tongue in cheek because it's the experience of doing, of being in that place and having that experience unfold in front of me. But like I said, if I'm honest with myself, I don't. Yeah, when that, when that, but it's it's that you're not you you're right. You 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 don't like it, but it's the fact that that mallet is so close to you, that the work has been done, the calling has been done. You have, as you've, you've almost tricked Mother Nature. That's the point of what you've done, right? Yeah. And the, the finality of that purpose to us yes. is a kill. It's not to let that duck land and shoo, 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 go away for another day. That's not the point. Right. Otherwise, why are you there? Otherwise, why are you there, right? Yeah, I'd, go, gonna, I'd go to the hospital and kill them in the parking no, lot. You wouldn't kill them. That's <laughs> the point, right? That's the difference, right? So when, when people say, why do you... In that moment, Joey, why do you have to pull the trigger? The, the, the answer is because that's why I'm there. That is the finality of the purpose of why you're there. I it's, have to. You have to because that's what you've, you've... You've positioned this whole piece of business for that specific moment. It's like... Somebody going to Yosemite and saying, I'm going to, I want to climb El Capitan. And somebody saying to you, nah, you don't have to climb. Just take a helicopter up there and have a drop. Go helicopter or just look at it. Just look at it. Well, why would I go to Yosemite and train and do all the things just to go look at it? There's a purpose to why you do something. There's a purpose to why we hunt. That purpose is multifactorial. Mm-hmm. And we don't have enough time on this podcast to get into the multifactorial component. 
But you pulling the trigger is the reason why you're there. You're not there to watch the duck land at your feet and say, I won. Because beyond the trigger pull, there is, in some people's instances, the food component. In some other people, you know, it's the dog. It's, in, there's lots of things that, again, we're not going to get into. But so, yeah, you're right. The, the context of saying a, a mallet's head flying off yeah. may not be appropriate. It's a little disingenuous it's a and little inappropriate. Dis- disingenuous, I would say, yeah. Yeah. And if I were going only to kill, which that is the that is the final end game of why we do what we do, why we walk so far and why we work so hard and why we spend so much in gear and, and do I mean I'm looking at a closet full of mm-hmm. you know camo and stuff. Um, that is the end goal. But if that's all I cared about, I'd just go take a nine iron in the parking lot of the hospital and just go to town on them. Right. I mean, it's that it, it is. I haven't, I haven't really accomplished anything by doing that. No, I haven't, I haven't stripped away all of the things, all the cares and worries that I have to reconnect with a wild creation created by a creator that loves wild creation, mm-hmm. and I haven't done anything to reconnect with that by just, you know, yeah, I can go you know, lead a bread trail to my truck and then take, you know, that's easy. They'll come right to me if I bring a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I spending all this money on decoys? Man, all I need is a mm-hmm. loaf of bread and go to the hospital and bring them. Well, because, and I, and I, I think at a, because there is a clear definition difference between hunting and killing. Yeah. That's why we're called hunters. Yeah. Inherently in the word hunt is chase, is search, is failure. There is no failure if you're a killer. It's deep stuff, Robbie. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. I, this is that's Blood Origins, right? Yeah. I'm thinking about this stuff all the time. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, like you just said, they're like, yo, it's just a little too deep. Oh, I didn't say it was too deep. <laughs> I acknowledge that it is deep. What did uh what else you want to cover? Man, I'm good. I think we covered some good meaty stuff, man. It's good um, stuff. Excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear ours. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to meet him hopefully in June. Yeah. Be good. Yeah. All right. That's it. Well, uh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for I having me over. No the, man, the man cave is awesome. Thank you. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that Snake is hanging on the wall and not <laughs> cold up in the corner someplace. What is that? It's a... Uh, African rock python, but it's been stretched. So it was probably a 15-footer. And I think my dad picked it up in Nigeria or something like that. I think it was about a 15-footer or 16-footer, and they stretched it out to about 20. Yeah, well, with the way I am with snakes. It's anybody that's on it with me. It's not me and and snakes. Don't jihad at all. (laughs) All right, man, that's it. Good, I appreciate it. Thanks. No worries. Thanks, Robbie, for spending time with us. If you guys have not experienced Blood Origins yet, make sure you look them up on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, I was blessed and honored to share my story as well. So check out uh, our episode of Blood Blood Origins. Uh, Great series going super deep to answer some really important questions. As always, don't forget to go to TangleFree.com. Stop wasting your money on gear you'll wind up replacing in a couple of years. Use promo code PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, at checkout. 
And Corey and Doug and Kirk will give you free shipping on everything you order. Thank you, Tangle Free. And until our next episode, bye-bye, y'all.